Our lesson this morning is from Exodus chapter 19. Then Moses went up to God. The Lord called him to the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the Israelites, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the Israelites. So Moses came, summoned the elders of the people, and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. The people all answered as one, Everything that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Here ends the reading. I actually have um, one additional paragraph to read of our lesson. I didn't get the edits to Sean in time, so I thought I would just add this on. Um, this is the people's reaction immediately following our last verse. When all the people witnessed the thunder and the lightning, the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking, they were afraid and stood at a distance. They said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, for God has only come to test you and to put the fear of him upon you so that you do not sin. Then the people stood at a distance while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Two weekends ago, Brian and I and um, Tom Sheldon took nine of our confirmation students up to Luthercrest Bible Camp for our fall winter, or fall winter, our confirmation fall retreat. 
I have to admit, we have 13 kids in confirmation, so when nine of them can come, I had mixed emotions. I was both excited and terrified. I live with two teenagers all the time, so nine of them seemed like a lot. Um, although compared to other churches I've been, it's not that many, but nine. We had a fantastic weekend. I, we couldn't have asked for more perfect weather, right? And we had a great time singing songs and playing games, doing crafts. And dare I say we even had fun with the Bible st- story? They did. Affirmation up front here. Um, All of our youth received these staffs that we gave them, and we spent the weekend studying the story of Moses. Blessed in the wilderness was our theme. And so on the very first night, what we did was we gathered at the campfire, and we recalled the story of Moses when he was first called by God. Well, Moses at that time had wandered into the wilderness, and he suddenly came upon this weird bush. You remember this story that was on fire and yet not being consumed by the fire. And a voice called to him and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses responded, here I am. And then God responded by giving Moses a job description. I have a task for you, God said, a job for you to do. Here's what it is. You're going to go down to Egypt, you're going to free my people, you're going to fight the Pharaoh, you're going to lead these people into the wilderness and take them to the promised land. Now, if you have applied for a job lately, you might know that this job description is a little hard. And so Moses responded really well. Moses said, no way. I'm not going to do that, that's crazy. And God was kind of relentless in God's pursuit of Moses and said, no, Moses, you can do it. And Moses goes, okay, here's why I can't. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not a good public speaker. I, all of these reasons. And with each reason Moses gave, Moses, God just said, I'll be with you. It's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. And so though Moses has got confessional. I'm not worthy for this task. I'm a murderer. I'm a runaway, I'm a liar, and he told his truth. And the funny thing is, is that as he confesses all of these things and admits all of his shortcomings, God becomes more convinced than ever that Moses is the man for the job. You're the one I want, God says. You can do it. So our confirmation group followed the example of Moses. We took sticks, and I didn't think this through, so we wrote on these sticks by a campfire, which is really hard to do um, because you can't see anything. Um, And we wrote our own confessions, our own reasons we think we're unworthy, our own reasons that um, we've messed up. And we threw them in the fire, not because it got rid of them, but because we were giving them over to God. We were saying, hey, we're not going to let these parts of our lives define who we are, but instead, God knows these things about us just like we do. And God loves us anyway and calls us to these jobs, to these tasks of living in the world as God's people. I will admit, we weren't really good at aiming and and getting our sticks in the fire, and most of them didn't even burn up. But nevertheless, the gesture was there. 
In our reading for today, a lot of time has passed since that initial call story of Moses. The people have indeed, actually Moses has done what God has asked God to, uh, Moses to do. He has gone and confronted the Pharaoh. There have been 10 plagues in Egypt. They have gotten away. They've escaped um, from slavery, and they have crossed the Red Sea. And when we pick up in our story today, they've been living in this wilderness for three whole months. And those three months in the wilderness have been hard. The people of Israel have complained and they have whined. There's no food. There's no water. They've fought with each other. They've fought with God. It's been a difficult time. And God, God has been there the whole way. Showing up in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And God provides food, quail, and manna, and water from rocks, and God listens to their complaints. And yet, in spite of the fact that they've been receiving all these good things from God, it doesn't make life any better. Each day proves to be more difficult than the next. And so when we get to our text today, I imagine it's like what we do on a family road trip when we have to like pull over to the side of the road and have a heart-to-heart. Let's remember who we are. And let's remember where we're going. So the caravan moves over and they set up tent and God says, we've been in this a long time together, people. And I know, they were crying too. Um, We've been at this a long time together and we've been through a lot. I have bore you up on eagle's wings, God says. I have taken you out of slavery and brought you to freedom. And because of that, here's how we're going to be. If you listen to me, life could be really good. Do you want to follow my ways? Because then we can be a light to the nation and a holy and treasured people. And the people all respond, yes, we want in. I imagine it's like the sports team. They put their hands together and they're like, one, two, three, go, yeah. Everyone's enthusiastic and they know that they can be these people and they love each other and they're reminded of it. And then God says, okay, let me tell you how we're going to do it. Here's the game plan. And God gives them the Ten Commandments. And as the Ten Commandments are given, these rules, these laws that become pivotal to the identity of the people and the relationship between God and, and and them, the, the mood changes. You might have noticed that paragraph I added. Suddenly, there isn't that enthusiastic response from the Israelites going, we've got it! Instead, we are, what we're told is that after God finishes that long list of rules and laws about how we're going to live together, that the people stand at a distance. That the people separate themselves from God. And in fact, they say, you know what? God, don't talk to us anymore. Moses can talk to us, but if you talk to us, we'll die. And Moses says, no, 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 that's not the way it has to be. And they say, nope. And we end with the people standing at a distance from God and Moses up close and personal. 
And I've been thinking about this story and what has happened, this big contrast from we're all in to this huge amount of distance that suddenly is there between God and God's people. And I can't help but wonder if some sort of problem has happened. See, I'm wondering as if when God started to list those Ten Commandments and the people were standing close and listening with anticipation as God started to list off those rules and say, have no other gods before me, if the people started to realize their own failure. I've had other gods. Don't have any idols. I'm carrying one right now. Honor your mother and father. I haven't talked to my dad in months. We're not even on speaking terms. I don't know if I can heal that broken relationship. Don't lie. I lie. Don't steal. I do that. And I imagine as God is listing off these rules that are indeed what we need for our world and our life, as if the people suddenly think, you know what, if I can just move a little bit further away... If maybe, just maybe, God won't notice. If maybe, just maybe, I can still be that holy and righteous and treasured people that God wants me to be, and that I can just somehow fade. If I can hide it, if I can mask it, if I can just make it go away, because at a distance you can't see all my faults and failures. You can't see all the things I've done wrong. The Ten Commandments are a gift given in love for God's people. And I think we know that. But in spite of that fact, more often than not, we do make them into expectations that we think are achievable or we think we need to measure up to. We hang them in courtrooms or put them up in our offices or put them in town squares. And I think as a culture, we look at those Ten Commandments and say, we can do that. And that's what it looks like to be a good person. And that's what it looks like when we're true followers of God, when we follow all these rules and laws. And in a sense, it's true, but at the same time, we will mess up. And unfortunately, in our culture, I think more often than not, we hide our truth and we push ourselves to a distance because the worst thing we think we could do would be to admit our own failure, to actually confess that we've done it all wrong. If we look at the politics over the last month or, dare I say, year, I think this is pervasive. Over and over again, we have decided somehow that if I'm just honest and say, I've messed up, that somehow I won't be accepted, that I won't be worthy, I won't be capable. But I think what we're longing for as a society, or at least what I'm longing for, is some honesty, is some humility, and maybe the recognition that none of us is doing it right, that all of us have failed, that all of us fall down, that all of us make mistakes, and if we just dare to be vulnerable enough to tell our truths, it will make all of the difference. Moses admitted it all. I'm a murderer. I'm a liar. I'm a runaway. I know I've failed, and so do you, God. And that brought Moses closer to God. The people of Israel stand back because they want to pretend to be someone they are not. But what if 
What if they had reacted differently? What if they had confessed? I want my neighbor's house. I wish I had more money. I worship other gods. I've stolen. I imagine as if the people confessed that they could move closer and closer to God who would hold them and say, you know what? You are my treasured and holy people, and I love you. Because just as I told the kids, there is nothing that we can do that get us kicked out of God's family. I believe that to be true. The people of Israel were called to be a light to the nations. And I believe that we are called as well. But I don't think we are called to go out there and show how great we are at living according to God's rules or how righteous we are and what great living we have. Because what our world needs now is for us to be people of confession, people of truth-telling, people of vulnerability who are willing to say, I don't have it all together. I don't have it all right. And I can admit where I have failed And what happens when we tell our truth is it frees us up to allow others to do the same and for us to actually have some reconciliation, to have some transformation, to actually be united as a people of truth so that then we can go forward together, striving to live with each other in love and trusting the God who leads us forward, who forgives us, who knows us completely, who calls us by name, and will go with us in all things. Amen.